Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Karaoke. I'm your host, Danny Keith, and uh, we're still in COVID-19 lockdown. I think people are starting to get a little eggy. Um, I'm seeing some protests around the country. I see people kind of getting, we're getting more divided than we are united, but, um, you know, it is what it is. In the cannabis space, however, we're here to talk to thought leaders, people that are doing good things, people that are either maybe, maybe they're a cannabis hero and they're out making hand sanitizer and, and donating it to people. Maybe it's people that are just trying to keep things, you know, legit and out there and relevant. And so I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to talk to Matt Wagner today. He's a, he's a serial entrepreneur. Um, I, we found each other on LinkedIn through the cannabis searches. And, uh, the things that I think intrigued me the most was that he worked for normal in the Midwest, which is a tough area to really get cannabis, uh, stigma reduced or have people even embrace cannabis. And then he had some travels. So I kind of want to, I want to hear about Thailand. I want to hear about your NorCal endeavors, but let's start out with welcoming you to the show. Thanks for being here. Uh, yes, sir. Hey, Rob, really appreciate you having me on. No worries. Dude, normal in the Midwest. What What <laughs> the fuck? How does that? That's like, hey, I got some oil and vinegar or oil and water. Let's put them together. Like, how does, like, <laughs> how, I mean, everybody knows who normal is. And normal obviously is in every state and has chapters all over the place. But you can't pick a harder place to do that in than the Midwest. Like, what was that like? And that was like, what, early 2000s probably? Yeah, well, it was uh no, it was it was uh, late no, it was uh, early early 2010. Okay, mid- yeah, and, uh, first decade. Yep, and at the yeah, you're a decade off, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, because you're you well, of course you're a decade off, you know, being uh in around Cali and. That's right. But yeah, we're, we yeah Missouri, we're moving into uh, 2012. We're voting on decriminalization, um, you know, basically turning into a ticket at that point. There in uh, Springfield, Missouri, which was a college town. Yep. Um, about you know central central Missouri, and uh, you know at, at the time, uh, I just wanted to be involved. I was uh, at the time I was purchasing a club there in downtown Springfield, and I, I had just traded. I had a um, a lifted excursion had the wrap on it, you know, for the logo of my club, and I traded it for a bank truck, a 1980 GMC bank truck. And, you know, I had, I had started hanging out with uh, some of the guys that were um, involved with Normal there. And, uh, you know, at the time, things were ramping up. You know, you got decriminalization on the way, uh, or, you know, hopefully uh, we're in the streets, we're getting signatures. And, uh, you know, at the time I was you know, I had just purchased a club, so I was, you know, at the time of building, building on this club, getting ready for a grand opening, and I decided I was going to turn my armored truck into a parade truck for normal. And I had, uh, you know, I searched for a guy that did some uh, graffiti artwork. You know, I just, I was looking for, oh, man, I can't remember his name. I wish I, I wish I could. He was a notable artist there in the uh, in the Springfield area. And I had to design a logo, you know, a normal logo, and then I had a graffiti artist do it on the side of the on the side of the truck. 
And I'll tell you what, the truck was obtrusive. (laughs) 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 It was. um, You know, on the back it said, uh, you know, rethink, um, relegislate. You were all in, dude. You you were all fucking in. Oh, yeah. With my club logo on the side. I mean, sort of getting a a Takashi 6ix9ine tattoo on your face, that's like, that's a big, especially in Missouri. Like all of a sudden, oh, you it know, was a statement. Yeah, weed truck <laughs> driving around. It's like some guys carry pistols and rifles out there. Oh yeah, it was a bulletproof truck, you know, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and we had and we had tested that. It was it was a bulletproof truck, unless now we had the thought that um, in the, in the eighties, like the mafia designed the bank trucks or something because the top wasn't uh, armored. Oh, like wow. you, could, you couldn't even barely stand on the top; it was sheet metal. But the sides were, you know, you know, four inches thick. Huh. <laughs> Interesting point so. to say because I wonder, I wonder if armored trucks are still, <laughs> still, you can just drop a rock on top of it and jump know. in. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, in fact, in Springfield, Missouri, in downtown area, they changed the parking laws because of my truck. What you couldn't park um, a truck that was advertising. Illegal no, it was uh, it, it was something to do uh, with uh, areas areas you could park trucks that weigh a certain amount and stuff like that. Oh, like I was it. Gotcha. I said it was so big and it just had a big marijuana leaf on the side of it. And I literally, and when I would drive that thing around, I would get upset. Like I would drive by the police, and the police wouldn't even give me a second look. Ever. Yeah, they're like, but, "Fuck this guy, dude. He's obviously <laughs> we don't need to do this. Is too much paperwork." <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but then then i would have the idiots at the club and they'd be like oh man is that your truck man hey man can i get an eight i'm like right dude, you think i fucking sell weed out of my weed now truck that would be idiot. gangster dude you're just like fuck you i'm driving a weed truck and i'm selling weed let's go yeah that would end really quick in missouri right <laughs> they're used to it. i mean they they did they, they did just get medical so i know and that's amazing you know what we um in working with Enlighten, you know, they have we, – we had more of a West Coast footprint. They obviously had more of an East Coast. And, like, we just opened a store in Arkansas. And I'm just thinking back. I'm like going, you know, when, when we had guys running packs from Cali out to the East, you know, it was like stay out of these states. You know, don't even fucking drive through them. And Arkansas was definitely on that list. Not that anybody would ever need to go that direction. But it's like Kansas, you know, do not drive through Kansas. Like, they, they just sit on the border, wait for – you know, to see a Cali plate, or if you're going to have to drive through Kansas, swap your rental car out and get a Kansas plate so that you don't get, you know, you don't get triggered as you're going through. Cause you drive them with a California plate through the Midwest. They know why you're there. You know what I mean? Especially, especially if they pull you over and take a whiff, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so how long did you work with normal? That was what, like a couple um, of years? Well, that was, you know, I, it was, it was, uh, I mean, you know, still to this day, I promote them and stuff, and I, 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 but I don't, you know, I haven't worked side by side with them. Probably but that, but that was like uh, your entry, right? Or would you say that that was your? I mean, you probably smoked weed before that, but like, was oh, that man. your first? I'm, I've that, been an open weed smoker like your whole life. I mean, I wouldn't say my whole life. I right. did have, you know, I did go to seminary, you know, sure, or I was studying Christianity and working in the church at one time, but uh, you know. I really, I remember smoking my first joint. You know, I wasn't too young. I think I was probably 15, 16, first time I had a water bong. 
I know I jumped in the car and drove. <laughs> That's not good. Um, well, I mean, it's funny. We don't endorse driving high, but it's you just end up driving slower usually. You know, it's all we're, we're pretty careful. Well, I remember people. I came to a complete stop about fifty feet from the light, <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy was with me, and he's like, "Dude, let me drive right now." I'm like, "Dude, I'm good. I'm good." And I, got I was this, fine bro. the rest of the trip. Like <laughs> a Cheech and Chong movie when they're like just barely rolling, you know? <laughs> right. So was that was normal? I mean, it sounds like you were in the you owned a bar club is what I'm assuming, right? Is like a or was it a strip club? Um, yeah, it was a strip club. Nice. Okay, so it was a strip club. <laughs> it was a strip club, but then you, yep. you like you were like what pro- what provoked you to to basically head west and, you know, or to, oh, to get so into cannabis in between. Yeah, yeah, let's talk. Uh, okay, so what was next after you did that and you kind of you bounced around with normal a little bit what was the next leg of your journey well i'll uh you know I, i'm gonna go back because you you've asked a lot of loaded questions and uh sorry i appreciate the curiosity uh that you um like you brought me back on what you know what got me started oh you okay, know go what got there. me kind of, sure okay so you know we're talking about uh um you know, 16 years old, me and my buddy, you know, we know where to get weed. His parents aren't around very often. So, you know, we're smoking a lot of weed. And, I mean, we're best friends. We're playing basketball together every day, uh, you know, every day after school. I'm there late, spend the night, whatever. But, you know, we're just buddies. Um, one day, he disappears. And literally just, boom, gone. And, you know, six months, um juvenile camp six months boot camp later uh you know he went to a program finished school and i never heard from him again until recently and um the reason it's so significant is because the reason he went away is because he knocked on the guy with me and weed from the house and the police answered the door and the way it happened is the police officer asked him you know 16 years old 17 years old i think at the time 17 years old uh do you have anything on you and he had a little dime bag on him. And uh, so he's under arrest. And, you know, lost my best bud. Wow. And how long? And so, so they, what, they shipped him off to to a school or to, to a boys camp or what happened? To, uh, they put him in a juvenile detention center Oof. for six months. And then he had a six months of boot camp. And then that was it. You just, you guys didn't see And then, well, I mean, by that time, you know, I'm, I live in Houston, Texas. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that uh, it's a, just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. He went to a, an alternative school after that and finished out. I, I don't know the full story after that, but I just, I mean, he didn't come back to school. You know, I was going to. That sucks. And, uh, you know, we lived, on, we didn't live next, next to each other. So, I mean, it was just, you know, a year or so goes by, you know, and we just kind of lost contact with each other. And, you know, it just always stood out in my mind, you know, like, in it was always kind of a, and I always laugh about this because we come. I mean, can you imagine the possibility of the future? Like, we are a generation. I, you know, you're older than I am, but uh, you know, it, I mean, it's it stems back even more and more. We're renegades. Oh yeah. You know, we're rebels. Like, you, know, the government has said that this is a class one controlled substance with the worst penalty of any. It's why people are still doing life sentences yeah. over marijuana. To this day. And people forget and, that a Democratic president put the worst penalty ever 
on the head of cannabis. Like, I think it was like, I think over a thousand pounds or something or something crazy. It's like punishable by death. You know, like what other, oh, yeah. I mean, fuck, you could go rape 27 kids and maybe you're going to get the death sentence. You know what I mean? Like the, there's, there's the people. Real... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say there's like, I interviewed Weldon. I'm like, I'm Facebook friends with Luke and like, there's fuck. There's people doing 20, 30, 40 years for the plant. It's just bananas. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Keep going. My bad. Oh, no. Uh, you're you're exactly right. You said what I was pretty much saying. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, you know, where the – where marijuana is used to, um, you know, 10 times and 15 times charges that would otherwise, like, you know, I have a good friend of mine. This is a, another one of my little causes, you know, that I, I really would I, – I want people to look at. You know, a friend of mine in Missouri, little do you know, you can't buy, uh, you can buy, sorry, you can buy missiles on the side of the road from <laughs> military pro shops. Now, these are decommissioned missiles. Um, I have almost bought one because I used to have a bar called Warheads. Okay. And um, so I almost bought one just to hang in. And thank God I didn't. A friend of mine, is uh, his parents are getting... Um, kind of checked on, or or they came in the house. Because yeah, welfare welfare check. No, it was for a um, a. They're looking for a someone that I guess was on the run, or they had a oh. warrant for that wasn't there. He wasn't there. That's my favorite one when it, they say that. Yeah, we because, think uh, we think somebody's we think it. somebody's in your house. Mind if we come in? You're like, what? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck you. Yep, shut the fuck up. <laughs> nope. It's Friday. Yep. So they go into um, their house and they see one of these, I'm assuming, a warhead. Yeah, they find a they find a warhead. And he had bought this thing. Now it literally had left it in the back of his truck. Right around his truck, you know. Oh my god. And I mean all this is no this is a real case. Everyone was noted that, that no one believed that this warhead had any kind of danger to it whatsoever. Well they took the warhead along with some firearms. And uh, that were legally owned. This guy's a working man, owns a business, has employees, uh, you know, and I'm talking like a service, a service business. I don't remember what I think it's uh, maybe lawn business or something like that. Has employees. And he asked them, period, point blank, says, why are you messing with me or why are you fucking with me? All I do is smoke weed. So they arrested him. As a user of marijuana in possession of a warhead. a warhead. Yeah. 40 years. So he goes into court thinking, I, um, I'm i just going to tell him the truth. I mean, come on. Oh like, this goodness. is America, you know? And he <clears> doesn't get counsel, denies counsel, and just goes to the judge and says, the judge says, did you say this? Oh my Did you God. say this? And he says, yes, that's what I said, blah, 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 Your Honor, you know, whatever. And the oh. judge gives him 30 years. Oh, my God. He tries to, he tries to get the, uh, um, he tries to get, uh, you know, then to retract his, his guilty plea. Sure. And like, he's like, please take it back. I didn't understand the brevity of the situation, blah, blah, blah. They yeah. deny him. He's now, I think, on his 12th year. Oh, my gosh. He's denied any and all opportunity for appeal, still to this day. 
And, and it, is he in Missouri does, prison or is he in a federal prison? He's a federal. He's in a federal prison. Ooh, so, yeah, man. I mean, and, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. The the it's well, number one, you know, most people would say, well, why are you smoking weed and why are you buying warheads and why are you doing this? But it's like at the same time, you know. The government's not always doesn't always know what's right for us. M- more often than not, you know. Uh, I mean, you look at the opiate crisis that took place. I mean, for God's sake. I mean, they're they're quick to green light that, but oh, don't do the don't do weed. It's like it's a fucking plant, dude. It doesn't have to be processed at all. Technically, you could mm-hmm. grow it and pick it and use it right there, you know. And so it's we have l- long since I'd say for the better part of the last century. Um, he who has the money makes the rules and, and sometimes they don't even follow the same rules they make. They're just doing it. And it's, I'm not some conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but I do, I do, I do know that, that favors get done and you know, we all know politicians. I I have. Yep. And so it just sucks that, you know, you want to do the right thing and you want to just be honest and then you end up fucking catching 30 years, you know, like that's just, uh, that's just bananas. Right. So what? Okay. So then that guy gets wrapped up. What? Um, what's the next step? I for look you? up his full name. His name is Dane Teeter. Uh, I think it's Dane Teeter. He's out of out of Missouri. He's my my friend's father. Dane Peter. Dane. Uh-huh. Dane. Yep. Um. So yeah. Uh. What was your question? My question was. So we were going down the path of. <clears throat> oh, the, that's, oh, you, you okay, went so, back and gave me an origin story, kind of like okay. DC Comics style. You jump backwards, and then now we're going forwards. So we're renegade, you know. We're renegades. Absolutely. I always saw the marijuana leaf is a fucked man symbol. Um, I wanted the wallet. I wanted, um, you know, and I just, um, you know, I was my premise is, who are you to say that I can or cannot do this? You know, I just, I, I loved weed so much that I didn't give a fuck. Right, you know, I couldn't justify and say it was a statement, but at the end of the day, I just love weed. Yep, you're married. Like you said to me, you're married to it. Mm-hmm. It's your, yep, it's I'm your, married to it's it. your passion. So you, so you worked with normal a little bit. Are we well, able? I worked with normal. Then where'd you go after to, that? Yeah, I just was using my company. I was using my uh, my business to promote the, you know, for better or for worse. You know, uh, you know, we showed up with the truck at the all the city councils. You know, we we just, you know, we get flyers. Uh, I would I would get everybody. You know, I would take these headshots and get them all on flyers. Get quotes from different, you know, and just make media material and, and media kits for the um, for normal. And I mean, not on a grand scale. Not on a grand scale. Now understand something. This is this is local level uh, involvement with my business and and. Uh, you know, so I've, you know, after college, I bought I bought my first strip club. I bought my second one at 29, and I ran that until the uh, every um, agency in Missouri raided me. And uh, and then I started I'm sorry, traveling. I'm not trying to laugh at it, but it's just funny. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I got raided and uh, by all of them, <laughs> and then then I decided I'm gonna. Th- so I'm assuming this is the moment where you're like. I think I'm gonna go into cannabis. Is that the next step? No, uh, well, I was like, no, I'm going. To, no, I, uh, I know what the hell I was gonna do. I, just, I had a. Uh, you know, you're just tired of getting raided. Is that you're tired of? Well, the last raid really just. Uh, I mean, you know, there's just a lot of. I mean, pretty much, 
everything that I've ever had and worked for has yep. been taken from me for, by the police. It's amazing how quickly they can get into your bank account, too. Well, I wouldn't say that. You know, getting my, I haven't had any problems getting in my bank account personally, okay. but I, uh, but in regards to like, you know, I had a, I had a, a club, I had a club for eight years, and, uh, and because of some backward dealing police officers and uh, just uh, irresponsible, um, you know, they, they, they hit me like I was Paul Escobar. Oh yeah, they know, set you up. You know, set. Well, it's a. Um, so strip clubs are gone now. You're not sure what yeah, you're going to do. Yeah, Missouri, they're illegal. Missouri, they're illegal. But oh, there's, wow. there's kind of handshake deals. Um, gotcha. You know, you have to have full pasty from the top of the nipple all the way down to the bottom of you know the bottom of the breast. You have to have a wide back thong. You have to be six feet away from the the uh, six feet away from the customer. Uh, no contact between customers and dancers. Uh, and uh, you know, no alcohol. Close at midnight. That's the best one. Uh, Terms of engagement, and it's funny. You're probably super busy. Oh, we, uh, you know, if if you were success, if you were running a strip club in Missouri, you were breaking the law. Oh yeah, so so, so parallel tracks, cannabis dispensaries, and now you're seeing that change in Missouri. You're seeing people like starting to get, you know, medicinal approval, and like pretty soon behind that will be. Maybe recreational, maybe not, but you'll see an industry pop out of Missouri now in the cannabis space. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's. Uh, I think they will see recreational in the next couple of years over there, Missouri. But uh, yeah, so uh, that's why the the laws the, when the laws were you know they changed the laws on us 2011. Uh, some people survived, some people stuck around, some people didn't. Um, you know they, you know. It's not about having laws; it's about enforcing them. Sure, and it's about and, uh, changing them too. Like it's about changing the ones that make sense. I mean, some of these laws are made out of uh, how would you say moral beliefs instead of social beliefs, you know? And so, a lot of our laws that we're still dealing with are on the back of people trying to have society be a certain way. And as society right. has evolved. As we've started, you know, people are getting married and divorced and, you know, people are now having same-sex marriages. There's just a lot of different things that are in play now that weren't necessarily in play back then. Because all all the laws were really there to make a family-style atmosphere. It was all about, the you know, the two-car garage, the picket fence, the two kids. You know what I mean? Like, it, there, was a, there was a little cookie-cutter process that was happening in the 50s and the 60s when they decided to roll all this war on drugs out that they were like we're gonna make america the pure little perfect little oh, you know utopian society religious I, you know, household man yep <laughs> that's you know I, I that's how i feel now like you know the way the way this you know society's been in la for the last i mean it's actually it's opening up i mean i was stuck in traffic today uh, on on the freeway on the one on one, so um, you know things. You know it seems like people are getting out of the house. Uh, but yeah, that's what I felt. I feel like you've seen the movie, you know, Demolition Man. Yep. I was like, what am I going to be? Am I going to be the guy in the sewer eating the rat burger? <laughs> you know, or am I going to be the guy in Bird King getting the the fucking Casino Royale? You know. I, 
Yeah, cannabis you know, is a, a choice. You know, I've always been, you know, in and around cannabis my whole life. And I've been in the business now since 2000, a little bit after 2014, 2015, we started kind of, and I was actually working with Paris, who's Tommy Chung's kid, when he got busted for Operation Pipe Dreams and in nine months um, in federal prison. So, you know, I, I am fortunate that I've only had minor, I mean, I definitely, if had been caught at certain times, would have caught charges but didn't and didn't think about it but you know it's it's definitely um different you know when you have you know i coach little league and shit too and so like people come up and be all hey man i know you're in cannabis uh can i invest or what's the deal like what's what should i be doing and you're just going holy shit this is mainstream now you know what i mean this is like when people are talking about at little league games you know whereas one of my first kid was coming through when he's a little older you know, it was kind of like, oh, that's the surf shop owner, dude. He must be a stoner, you know, like, oh, he's the one that's coaching the team. Great. You know? And so I had to work really hard to like show that I wasn't some just scumbag, you know, but, but weed's always been a part of my life too, like for forever. And so, you know, how did you end up in Thailand? Like what, what brought you to Thailand? I, um, I was sourcing ant miners in China. Um, I moved to China um, with a business uh, visa in 2016. I was living in Beijing. I was living in Shanghai. Uh, it was a classic case of uh, high, you know, high demand, low supply. You know, low supply, high demand uh, on the uh, mining hardware for uh, Bitcoin. Oh, cryptocurrency is what brought you to Asia. Yep, and. Um, you know, I did some teaching there too, and uh, it, it just got to a point after. China's gnarly. You know, I I completed some of my business there. I just was depressed. Lived in China, no one could speak my language. Uh, I had one friend that was from America that was an hour away. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, literally, okay. If you ever go to China, <laughs> I'll tell you right now. You tell me. Uh, you hit me up if you're going to China. Well, I mean, right now, you know, who's going? Not to China, so much. But... Yeah, right, but. <laughs> But but if you go to Shanghai or Beijing and you want to go clubbing, and that's about I mean that's really all I can help you with. Um, China's gnarly though. You know, I mean, I did we did some time in Taiwan and we bounced through there, and it was like they just it's a real big like you said it's a it's a huge communication gap, huge. Oh, and it, well, I mean, in Shanghai, unless you're in the city center, um, or you're in they have a foreigners park there which is uh a lot of people speak english and around there but i mean you just don't have communication with you know you really take that for granted being here in america or any english-speaking environment uh the ability to communicate with everybody around you is uh you know or even read the signs on a building <laughs> right you know, you know you've done some traveling over there you know yep um i don't know how tall you are but i split my head open in thailand i walked into the bottom of a fucking street sign and like while i was on i was at walking street down in pattaya and freaking oh, yeah? split my head wide open, dude. You know what was rad? I, I Tuck Tuck picked me up. It was pit, pouring rain. Took me back to the hotel. We're staying at the um, Marriott there in Pattaya. And th- they were like, oh, my God. They thought I got jumped or, you know, whatever. Because I had a head wound. And it was just, it, you know, when it rains there, it's warm. So, like, my whole – I look like a bloody mess. They're like, we'll, you know, I go, so I need to go clean up so I can go to the hospital or doctor. I got to get stitches. You know, it's not – I can tell I need stitches. And – they're like, no, 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 we'll take care of it. Just just stay in your room. And I was like, what? Dude, like five minutes. Knock, knock, knock. 
here comes the freaking doctor, little nurse, stitched my head up right there in the hotel, and I was right back out downtown, you know, back on a tuk-tuk, back to going downtown to, to go party, <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, I, yeah. I love Thailand, man. I think it's, uh, if you, if people don't, it's so cheap to go there, it's inexpensive to be there, and, you know, it's, the people are always smiling and always happy. I don't know. I liked it. I was there, I did a bunch I, of Oh, I loved it. It, you know, you, it keeps you young. You know, it's it's uh, you know it's hot and humid. You know, you got you know 365 days of uh, sunny weather with a one hour rain every day. Every every day you get one hour rain, and uh, that's what it seemed like. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I was a teacher in Wuhan. I I I was like you know I visited uh, with a business visa in China. You have to leave every 60 days. So I was just traveling. So I just hit uh, Phuket, and I was like, "Man, or fuck oh, it, you dude. know, you Phuket, all yeah. Phuket. No, dude, that's a beautiful beach. We were there too. I worked for a surf company that was manufacturing over there. So we would be in Rayong oh, wow. and Rayong, Chiang Mai, Bangkok, and there's some central towns I don't remember. Um, and then we would jam down and go try to, you know, there's little waves down there too. So we would, and some of my friends, I go to Indonesia every year as well. And so there's, I have some friends that actually will go through Thailand first, and then carry on through to indonesia that's yeah that's uh it's a it's just a different world it's so beautiful i mean the the physical beauty of thailand you know i california rivaled it i've I've ruined you know this is my first year in california so you like living here oh i yeah i love cali i love it here you know i I'm i'm a sucker for this weather i'm a sucker for the beach yeah. Uh, you know, just we, we do have it really good out here. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I talk to the guys back East all the time at Enlightened in Kentucky and I'm always like, Oh, it's 72 and sunny out here in California, you know? Um, right. yeah, it's perfect. I was, uh, back real quick note on Thailand, dude, I was in Thailand when the King died and that was probably that we were, uh, basically quarantined or locked down for five days, nothing. And if you went outside, you had to be head to toe black, cover your face, cover everything, um, it was an intense time. You left Thailand. It looks like right when they passed the hemp bill. Like, what was that? Because yeah, they, you know, you can do the what is that drug that they do over there? That's the not opium, but the equivalent of like kratom. Kratom, they, yeah. They, they go, don't even do it over there. They they send it to us. No, but there's a there's a I know there's a there's places that they have the certain lights on them that you can go in and do. It's like their meth or something. I don't oh. know. Well, yeah, like an opium. Yeah. Uh, like you smoke an opium. But that's it. They, they don't, like, if you have weed or, God forbid, you brought cocaine or something over there, you'd be just decimated. Like, oh, yeah. They'll, they'll die in a time. Oh, dude, I got some stories that I don't even know they're even. Uh, it's up to you, to, you incrim- to incriminate or not. But, yeah, it's gnarly. I had a good, <laughs> We had a buddy stuck in Thailand jail for three years for hash. He brought some hash over. And he got yeah. popped going through customs. Were you selling it or what? No, 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 dude. It was. It wasn't even that much. It was just him going through customs with it. And well, he, he, they didn't. His parents didn't have any money or what? Well, it wasn't so much that. It was just. <laughs> it was just trying to figure out the process. I mean, they did, and they spent a lot of money. But he, in the meantime, he spent three years in there. You know. So. No shit. Yeah, and he uh, was not a three-year type Thai three prison. Three years. God. Yeah, it was not a Thai prison type guy, if you know what I'm saying. Like he was not he was just this white dude that, you know, not oh, not a renegade, not anything really, just a little little potheady, you know what I mean? And he caught a charge of distribution and, and sales, but he didn't have enough on him to even sell, you know. So somebody else. 
No, yeah, um, they just fuck with you sometimes, you know, <laughs> especially if you got a blue, yeah, blue passport, true. you know. You're, you're probably right. Um, yeah, I saw, well, they do fuck with you. I mean, I, I know that, that, you know, in some of these towns that they uh, run rackets. Uh, the girls run rackets from the police. And, uh, oh, yeah, dude. Job is to... You can have a nice big bar tab and not even realize it. And then you're like, I didn't drink all those beers. You know, how about, what about when the, the girl you're with asks, asks about drugs, you know, and these guys uh, say yes, and then, you know, here comes the drugs with the police behind it. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, all about the police hasn't bought that they're going to pay to get out of jail. And by the next day, they'll be out. Which 40,000 bought, but, if I remember, is like 10 bucks or something. Like 15 no, bucks? No, 40,000 bots like a, that, like a, you know, 1,100, 1,200 bucks. Is it really? I'm trying to think of yeah. how. I'm, I can't remember. It's been a couple years. I thought it was less than that. And they split that up. You know, the, yeah. the girl gets some. You know, the girl makes more money. Turning you in. Setting the guy up. Yeah. yeah than getting, uh, than actually, you know, sucking his dick. Yeah. So it's, a, <laughs> it's a it's a crazy world yeah. over there too. Like that's that's a whole other thing. Like the parties, like in Bangkok and stuff. Like they Thailand parties, dude. Like it's a beautiful country with beautiful people. Some of the most amazing food I've ever eaten in my life. And at the same time, like if you want to party, you can go down a hole pretty quick out there. You know. Yeah. It's well, it, I, uh, not in a bad way. Just you get you know you'll come in every your days turn into nights pretty quick. Oh yeah. Uh, in a, in Pattaya, you know, you talk about a city that never sleeps. Whew. Walking street. Um, yeah, I, I um, yeah, I ran bars on that street. Did you really? What yeah, um? So, I'm. Do you know the the one where they have the ring, the MMA ring, in the middle of the bar, and you can like jump in and and box or you know the they always have. Club? I yeah. don't know. That was. That's, that was the same time that was you were there. Like I was through Thailand from 2016, 17, and 18, or. 2015 and 2016 was Thailand. Okay, I was uh, 2018. Okay, so right after. But, yeah, like, they oh. have – you can get tattooed, have fish eat the dead skin off your feet, get some amazing food, listen to some great karaoke. I remember we watched oh, a, 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 a really insane cover band that was playing Guns N' Roses, and I can't remember. I can see the bar in my face, and it's all open, like, both sides. Colorn? Probably. I don't know. We went to so many clubs. I mean – Oh, no, yeah. I didn't go to the island. No, I didn't get a chance to do that. I wanted to, but I never did. I plan to go back. I, I really liked – I used to go over to get my teeth done because you get dental work done super easy over there. Right. And, you know, you just walk in and bingo, bingo, you're out, you know? Yeah, it's cheap, and it's uh, – but I have heard about some issues. Well, yeah, you got to be careful. Like, don't have I like – a local there, you know. Don't but, have a root canal in Thailand, for God's sakes, but, like, definitely if you need some fillings or teeth cleaning, like, that's – you know that's the best place. At least for me, it was cheaper to to spend money to go to Thailand than it was to pay my dentist. Yeah. So then you yeah, left. I want to I want to clarify too that uh, I was a local there and I uh, I ran seventeen bars. Wow. Um, on soy six. Okay. Uh, under one, it was all in one company, and then uh, I did some uh, uh, consulting for a couple other companies. I was just basically pimped out over there, you know. Uh, you know, not as a as a consultant, as a club consultant. Sure. There's Soy Six down in in off Walking Street. No, it's um, Soy it's Street Six. That's what it's right. Right, right. Yeah, Soy Six is. But that was. And in I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't rocket science. You know, like it was. Um, you know, it's just really about entertaining, entertaining sure. guests and and uh, remembering people's names and 
Um, you know, I really enjoyed it, but I mean, it's not a life that's conducive to uh, your health. I mean, is it, you're, oh, you're no. drinking every day, uh-huh. and uh, and you're right. Uh, you don't know what day it is because literally Tuesdays look like a Saturday because every day someone everyone's on vacation every yep. single day. Yep. And they're having the time of their life every single day. From it's all never, over the all over the world, man. There's like all over the world, yeah. Oh yeah. Like we think and, we get uh, world so travelers I, here in California, we do. But I'm talking like packs of Germans, packs of, you know, people from uh Switzerland, people from Australia, like that's Australia's Cabo almost, you know what I mean? It's like so close. And so there's just like all kinds of cultures. I think that was the coolest thing was not just the people because we we were doing business in Thailand. So like we would obviously have relationships with the business people. I played a lot of golf in Thailand. They have great golf courses. Um, And but then you meet people on the street while you're partying. And, you know, you got to be careful, though. You you. Thailand is not, I'm going to tell it right now, and I don't know if you'll agree or not, but if you don't know how to be like, have your head on and be paying attention, you, it can, it's not a, it's not always as safe as it seems. And you can easily mistakenly get in a bad situation. You got to oh, be, yeah. you got to well, be careful, you know? Let's put it this way. Uh, these guys that are like every, it seems like every, other day, you hear about a guy jumping out the balcony of his hotel. These guys are not jumping out of their balconies. People are committing suicide, you know, in Thailand. But, you know, I take that back because, you know, some people get out there and they run down until they have no, no money and nothing left. Sure. And then, uh, and they, I, you know, you do hear about it. There's uh, the guy that played Kung Fu. It was in the movie Kung Fu. Yep. Kill himself. Sup- <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's hard to believe. Uh, kill himself masturbating in his yep. closet with a with a uh, the belt. David Carradine. Neck. His name was David Carradine. Committing suicide. I don't know, or getting killed because at the end of the day, they don't investigate. No. Like, so. Like, it it's, is. It it's is a, what it is. It's the Wild West in Asia. Let's just leave it at that. It is. So then you left there on the hemp back of the hemp bill, and you went. No, I. You know, uh, they legalized medical marijuana, and. Which no one saw it coming. No way, dude. No way. That was out of nowhere. And uh, I saw it coming, man, just because I just thought about it. Was, it's, I knew it was going to become a racket. I knew, you know, the, the ties, they were going to just grow their own, and then it was going to be, they were going to sell it to the, it was going to be a way for them to make money. Sure. Uh, sell it to the expats and the, and the uh, you know, tourists. Uh, so, anyway, whenever that happened, I said, oh, my God. It's happening because I, you know, I was involved in the uh, in the normal uh, stuff and fighting legislation, and you know, I've I've just been a strong proponent for it, and I knew that this was my calling. This is what I loved the most. So, if I was ever going to go back to the United States and do something, now is the time to do that. And uh, I just, I, you know, I called my mom. My mom coming home, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was so happy, of course. And uh, I. You know, I jumped on a plane. Thirty-six hours later, <laughs> I was in uh, Houston, Texas, and uh, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money over there. Uh, I was making sixty dollars a day, is what they what. I mean, I, and that was after really they had doubled my pay at one point. So, um, but you only need it. It costs you like ten, especially sometimes, like you said, you were getting set up. So, like you don't really have anything else I'm, to spend your money on. My rent was a hundred is was about with utilities one hundred and eighty dollars a month. Right. And I live in the second story of a of a bar. Yep. You know, in a in a little apartment, efficiency apartment, one hundred and eighty bucks a month. Um, 
I could even keep my apartment to this day. Right. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, so when I came back, um, you know, I had to make a little money. So I, I, I worked at Jackhammer for a week for a buddy of mine and my aunt gave me a car. I sold my car before I went to Asia and, uh, I jumped in it and I drove up, uh, straight up North Cali. Um, never been here before. And, uh, you know, I had some friends here and there and just made my way. Where, uh, where up north? Yeah. Did you go all the way to the Emerald Triangle, or how, where'd you stop? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was just up there, um, in between Humboldt and, um, uh, Trinity. Yep. Trinity area. And I just really want to learn. I mean, I mean, you know, I had smoke, I'm, I'm a weed smoker, you know, and honestly, living in legal states, I will smoke bad weed and I don't give a fuck. I, you know, it's weed is weed. And I now, get me wrong, I mean, I'm smoking some indoor stuff that's, uh, you know, whole another alien shit compared to, <laughs> you know, the weed in Thailand, for example. Sure. Or, uh, you know, even I live out. And you went straight to so. the, you went straight to, to Mecca of weed. I mean, that's like where well, you were at is. I started in Medford. Yeah. First, and I, uh, I applied at every. I got my license in Oregon. You know, Medford. I just knew some people there. You know, I used to preach at bulls. I, I know I there. It's right on the border, almost. Yeah, and, and it was. It's it's seen by and large as a. It's kind of an epicenter. that's just surrounded with farms. Medford's good. And, used, and uh, you know, Bend and stuff like that. So I applied at all the. Uh, the spin, I just want to be. I just wanted to get next to the plan, and it's just been a, a gradual progression. Um, yeah, you know, I've been able. I, uh, you know, I, I fulfilled. You know, I went through an entire harvest uh, up there. In fact, two, and uh, you know, just I, I experienced that I wouldn't trade for anything. But man, I was ready to get out of there. We got robbed. Um, the entire harvest uh, taken. Um, we believe it was an inside job, and. Uh, that's when I was like, you know what, I'm not getting, I'm not getting a hold of my chest, um, up here in the middle of the mountain. Right. You, did you watch Murder Mountain? Well, I mean, it, you know, yeah, I saw, I saw it. Of course I saw it. Um, and living up there, man, I mean, you know, there was times I was alone on that farm, like especially after the robbery, uh, you know, all the, um, people that were working on the farm, they all left. I mean, they're pacifists. They're, I call them hippies. They're just hippies. You know, and uh, when they got guns pulled on, that was the end of that. So it was me up there by myself on that farm uh, for, you know, a week or two. And, uh, yeah, the moment I, I had my first chance, I was like, I'm going to L.A., baby. <laughs> I want L.A. So uh, that's what brought me here. And, uh, so, so then you got I down mean, to L.A. And, and then, so that was what, 2019? Yep, that was uh, last year. Wow. And uh, so I've been in L.A. now for uh, since August. And, you know, I've been, just been blessed uh, with the opportunity to work with uh, several brands uh, doing uh, um, from, you know, marketing to, uh, you know, online media. Um, and what a story. Uh, what a story, though, to like to hear from start to finish. I mean. You know, first of all, it's a it's a great story of, you know, when you have intent or you do things with purpose and you have a vision, um, how nothing gets in your way and you're able to fulfill that vision. And so that's number one, 
that kind of what I've gotten out of this story. It's like where you put your vision and intent and purpose is what usually is going to work out. So when you made that decision to get into like to do what you're doing now, you already had that romance with the plant, but you wanted to be fully engulfed in everything. And, and honestly, man, you could, even though NorCal is the place to be for the quality, like especially outdoor weed or hoofed weed, you know, like we do grow indoor up here as well, but we have such acclimate weather that it's like we can grow outdoors and get shit as close to indoor as anybody could ever imagine. And, but the, the synergy of the, the, the industry is really concentrically placed in LA. Like two thirds of the dispensaries are there. Most of the brands are coming out of there. Like that's, it's almost like Hollywood well, because that's where everything's happening. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, it is, it is, you know, we are the window, you know, being here in LA, uh, everyone looks to us, the world pays top dollar for California weed, <laughs> you know, the world does, cause this stuff ends up everywhere, everywhere. Sure. It ends up in England, it ends up in South America and all they want is it to be California weed. It's funny how we have that romantic headlock on things, you know, for the rest of the world and, and the country, whether it's the beach boy well, image or music or hollywood or weed you know it's like pretty blessed state to be in you know considering everything um that's going on right now like we've got the best weed on top of it all yeah yeah well i mean we've been blessed with some weather i mean it's gonna be exciting times when uh some of these states like mississippi and in the alabama and even florida you know they're learning they can't grow weed right <laughs> um uh it's it's pretty you know, the stuff that uh, I've seen uh, coming out of some of these states because they just, you know, you get up there and up north and you realize, like, I've, I've never lived in an area that was dry like that. My skin just cracked instantly. I'm from Houston, Texas. I live in Thailand. Um, yeah, we don't have a lot of humidity. It was so dry. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the heat, the heat, but with a breeze, it's like the same thing the whole summer, this you know, the sun is so powerful up there. It's just, uh, the place is just blessed. Yeah. And we have, uh, it's kind of like, we don't really have seasons in California. It goes from being sunny to foggy to rain and then back to sunny. And then even in the, like you change from summer to fall, like one day the leaves are there, the next day they're all on the ground. Like there's no transition. I know that's when I see, when I go back East during the uh, fall, I'm always like, Oh, that's what, this is what seasons changing are like, you know, California just hard slam, you know, just, Oh, it's going to rain for the next week. You know? So we're kind of yeah. borderline tropical, but at the same time, arid, we've got a unique, um, you know, there's, there's only so many places around the world that are like a Spain's one of them, you know, where they're, they've got similar weather. Um, but yeah, we are really blessed in California. So what's okay. So we've been rapping now for about 45 minutes. What's next for Matt? What are you working on right now? Like, do you want to shout out any, social handles for people to follow you or do you want, do you have anything you want to say besides well, goodbye? You know, I, uh, you know, moving forward here, you know, it's the way I always think of the cannabis industry. It's like, it's like being out there in the Atlantic ocean, you know, big storm and I'm in a boat, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, there's, we're not sure, what the outcome we don't even know what's to come you know how hard bad it's going to get um but 
we I have just no choice but to adapt, continue to adapt. And we see uh, with COVID-19, uh, we see uh, uh, a transition. Um, the, the delivery experience is taking a hold. Um, you know, really, it's been a great opportunity for these cannabis companies to step in and and really paint, you know, like put some positive positivity out there to their community. Uh, and we're seeing that. We're seeing uh, people um, partner together uh, to help feed some of these people on the streets, um, you know, that are being, you know, ostracized because who wants the homeless guy walking up to you, you know, without his mask and asking you for money and touching you. No one wants that right now. Sure. So it's very, very difficult outside. Um, and then they're releasing prisoners. Uh, and I, you know, that's just a fact. Uh, so. Um, You're right. The brands, the brands it. have a really quiet space to connect with the consumer now because it's direct almost, you know, there's not a lot of distractions you know now people there's huge are... opportunities right now to, yep. to help people and, and get some great uh great pr um you know i know a lot of platforms out there that are looking for stories like that that they they want to do you know yeah stuff same. Happens, so. I, I love to highlight good stories I, I like it when people help each other you know I, I feel like competitive i'm very but i'm also very willing i also will help people up you know and and if they can get going faster than i can Hopefully they remember and pull me along with them, you know? And so I love telling good stories. So if you run across any of those, definitely fling them my yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, you know, this, there's a lot of opportunities in the canvas, you know, the canvas industry right now. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of struggle. I think we're going to see it. It's going to be uh, like a, like a, it's like a snow, you know, snow globe or whatever those called snow sure. globe. Yeah, you, you shake know, it like up. The industry is getting shaken up right now. And it was you know, wobbling. The that it was wobbling before I feel, and this just fucking knocked it off the table. Well, I think I, this is almost yeah because because of vapeness. Vapeness yep. was a huge hit to the cannabis industry, and so what we're seeing, what we saw is because of vapeness, it was a shakeup. And what happened is these companies that were, um, you know, basically being exposed for all this wrongdoing they're doing, guess who strolled in? Some of the companies that adapted to the new standards and you know, they got they took over market share because Absolutely. it's available. Yeah. So market share is out there, uh especially for new companies coming in. I think we're gonna see some people uh fall, you know, some companies are gonna crumble, some some guys they'll come out of nowhere. It's gonna be uh an interesting time for the cannabis industry for sure. And the fact that we're essential, you know, the fact that we are essential is huge. I, I, I can't even, uh, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Express. I feel like it wasn't a decision that the county governments or the state really wanted to address, but they had to. It was like, are we? It's yes or no. <laughs> you know? Yes yeah. or you know no. What? I heard a quote. I heard a quote, uh, and I can't remember who said it. I probably wish I Google, but she said, uh, it was against a woman. She said, I was uh, a physician during the AIDS epidemic of the 90s, and, I can, and like, I've never seen – And it was like that proved to me that marijuana is essential. You know, and it's not just for guys like me to, like, and just enjoy smoking weed, but, you know, the medical side of that, can you imagine? It's real uh, now, and it's – and that 
designation was the it was the silence the moment of silence but in a good way for cannabis because everybody's uh-huh. just been struggling to and that was the one time and once and and again going back to California setting the standard when we said it was essential other states recognized it as being essential and that created it was, that was a paradigm shift at that particular oh, yeah. moment I feel you know a lot you of people know, you talked about Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Awkward science. Your turn. Go. You can, oh, yeah. And you can shot this up, you know? Yep. Uh, but um, something that I think uh, is worth talking about, like uh, the OG Cannabis Cafe. Yep. And um, the significance of uh, the, uh, I don't remember the term, the u- use of of marijuana within, consumption. you know, in an establishment. Consumption, thank you. Consumption, yep. consumption, consumption, consumption. And, you know, it is illegal for for you and I to smoke weed in our car. Do we do it? I'm doing it right now. But um, do I have any problems? No, but I'm not everybody. And there are, you know, it's it's still used as leverage. There's nowhere to smoke. You have people living in Section 8 housing that want, that need weed. They can't smoke it inside. They can't smoke it in the car. They can't smoke it in and, – and you talked about California being a, a you know, a, it's a pace setter. California is a pace setter, and namely even West Hollywood, yeah. um, you know, the OG Cannabis Cafe. And that, and I've spoken with the owner over there, and that's their passion. Their whole team uh, is, you know, pushing that, that consumption agenda uh, that is – has to be addressed we're pretty we're blessed up here santa cruz is is had just voted on consumption lounges so we'll start seeing those in santa cruz and san francisco's operating under an old cigar room clause that allows that allows them to have consumption so yeah you're right i mean it's like going to a bar but not being able to drink in it you know it's like you should be able to smoke in it and then you go to san bernardino and those guys just don't give a fuck dude they'll just smoke in the middle of their in the middle of their uh, dispensary, they're like, whatever. And San Bernardino is a little bit out there, you know. Like nobody really, yeah. nobody really messes with those guys. Well, Matt, it's been amazing, dude. Uh, this hour has flown yeah. by. I really appreciate you taking the time, dude. And what a fucking interesting story you had. And I, I feel blessed to to oh. have been able to hear it. It's always, I always love listening to people's stories. So thank you for sharing yours with me. And uh, I look forward to hanging out with you soon. Yeah, you got the lucky. You got the short version. You got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
and journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.